and uh, going to preach to you a little message this morning as part of our regular Sunday worship, and that at the end of this message, we're going to stand and pray and then dismiss, and there'll be a little reception um, out in the foyer, as many of you as can fit there, but uh, <laughs> where you'll get an opportunity to congratulate Bob and Shoshana and chat with them, and um, we'll fellowship together. The Bible reads in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and our Sunday school class can be dismissed, so if the the kids that want to go to Sunday school class, gauge uh, JK to grade 7, you're welcome to join them at the back. Barb is going back there, and they're going to have a great time. All right. And we're turning in our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul said, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Vacation is always a special time in my family, and um, family loves to join together, and uh, we, we go places, we do things. And uh, one of the things my wife and I did a few years ago, this was pre-COVID, we rented a little cabin. We dropped our kids off at my in-laws, and we hit the road as fast as we could, just in case one of them decided that they were going to try to come with us. So we, we decided to get our little vacation in, a few days out in a cottage, and we, we got there. It, by the way, this is not like the cottage that has the outhouse, you know, or the public showers. This is the cottage that has the marble granite top kitchen, right, with the dishwasher, can somebody say amen when you're camping, and, uh, and a gas stove, and, you know, a barbecue, gas barbecue, not propane, you know, it's not going to run out, this was one of those glamping situations, right, I'm not, I am venturing this year to go camping, like real, real camping in a tent, I'm kind of terrified, but I, I've always been used to somewhat of an elevated experience, so I, I in, we, we booked this cottage, and we, it had a fire pit. And so my wife said, okay, babe, you go out and start the fire. And I thought, yeah, this is the man's job, start the fire. You know, uh, I, I am He-Man, watch me roar, watch me thunder. You know, I'm just going to go up there and start this fire. And I went out to start the fire, and I, I got the wood all organized the way I wanted it and set it up. And then I... I lit the piece of paper, right? I knew you're supposed to put paper in there to get it going. So I lit a piece of paper in it, fired up, and I'm, man, this is going to be great. We're going to roast marshmallows. We're going to bond over this campfire. And, and, and then I had to light another piece of paper. I thought, well, that's not unusual, you know. And then another piece of paper and another piece of paper and another piece of paper and paper after paper, and we were running out of paper. This fire would not start. And my wife... Uh, leaned out of the, the cottage door. She had been watching me for a while, and um, she just said, hey, babe, do you need any help out there? No, 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 I'm, I'm good. I, okay. And 
kept putting in paper after paper after paper. And finally, she just came out. My wife is very take charge. And she just came over to the fire pit and put all the sticks up in the shape of a tent. I don't know if you know how to start a fire, but the best way to do it is use small sticks and create a teepee. And, and that way you can guarantee one piece of paper in, it's going to light up. And whoosh, within seconds, there was a roaring fire. And I said, yeah, that's nice, babe, but I, I got it warm for you, right? If, if I, I, I warmed it up. But, but the truth was I, I didn't actually know how to start a campfire. Now I do. And I do it with success every time. And every time I start a campfire, now my babe's like, wow, babe, nice fire. You did such a good job. Knowing full well she's the one who taught me how to light a campfire. But I learned a few things here. Uh, if a fire is going to burn, it needs a few things. It needs oxygen, which was my problem. I was stacking all the wood up, and there was no airflow. There was no oxygen to get to the fire. You need heat. I had that part. And fuel. I, I, had, I had the fuel. I had the heat. But I did not have the oxygen. I didn't have that very vital component to keep the fire burning. I had a brief spark of heat, and I had the right fuel, but the oxygen flow was missing from the equation. In the Bible, God makes a promise to us that he would take out the stony heart that we are all born with, the heart of stone, that, that, and, and not to say that your heart is stony, but, but all of us have a stubborn streak. I, I, I kind of giggle when I hear people say, oh, you know, it's the Bryson way. It, they're just, they're stubborn. They're a real Bryson. And you can really, I've heard so many people say that phrase about their family. You could really put any family name there. Uh, uh, Smith. It's just the Smith way. They're just really stubborn. And you might have heard people say that. Oh, our family is known for being really hard-headed. Oh, he's just like his dad, really stubborn, really hard-headed. And it seems like there's all these families that have claimed this special trait of being stubborn or hard-headed or, or thick or, or, you know, just really determined. And, and I come to realize that this is not really a family tree thing. This is not something you pass on to your children. This is a humanity thing. Humans are born with a will and with a strong will. And oftentimes that will gets us into trouble. We make the choice sometimes to do good and sometimes we make the choice to do wrong. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians and the, the, the author of most of the New Testament said, whenever I want to do good, evil is present with me. He spoke of this human condition problem that, that no matter what situation he was in, there was always going to be a good choice and a wrong choice, and he would inevitably choose the wrong choice. Now, that comforted me a lot because if Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth, could confess and admit to being someone who struggles with wanting to do right but inevitably choosing wrong, then that gave me comfort knowing that the many times that I chose to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing, when I chose to disobey God rather than obey God, that I'm in good company. I'm not specially uh, a special failure or a special sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with the rest of humanity. And, and God announces the condition of man's heart is is stony and stubborn and resistant to the things of God and the ways of God. But, 
But God has a remedy for this problem, and he said, I'm going to give you a new heart and put my spirit inside of you so that you will want to live and serve and do the things of God. He promises us to give us this through a gift called the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In, in, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, there was a group of people that gathered together in a room and began to pray when Jesus had, Jesus had died on the cross, Jesus had, had risen from the dead, and he told his, his followers, go to Jerusalem and wait for this gift, this promise from God that is going to fill you and empower you to do what I've called you to do. And so they did. They went there and they began to pray. And God poured out his spirit upon them in the upper room in the book of Acts, chapter, chapter 1 and chapter 2. You can read of it where the Bible says that the spirit of God fell. There was a sound like wind that filled the room where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them little flames of fire that sat on each of their heads. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That means they began to speak in other languages that they had never learned before. Like a miracle of speech came to them and they began to speak in a new language. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. God gave His Spirit to them. He, he did a spiritual surgery on their heart, on their emotions, on their ways of thinking. When the Bible speaks about your heart, it's not talking about the muscle that pumps blood to every extremity of your body. It's talking about the seed of your emotions, the seed of your decisions, the seed of your thinking, the, the center of your will, the center of your being. It's the heart. It's the middle of who you are. And the Bible says that when you receive the Holy Ghost, God gives you a new center. He puts a new spirit in you. That, that gives you a new way of thinking about things. You make different decisions. I've seen people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, begin to speak in other tongues, and only a few days later call me and say, you know, this is remarkable. I used to, to talk this certain way. I used to act this certain way. I used to go and do these certain things, but I, I, I find myself not wanting to do them anymore. I, I find myself wanting to do different things and, and, and now do things that are more in line with what the Bible teaches is right and good. And, and all of a sudden, there's this life change that begins to happen in their life. It's not overnight, and it, by far, it doesn't change them completely in one sitting, but there is definitely something that changes when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit like a baptism. Now, the word baptism literally means to immerse something in water, completely dip it under. And so Jesus talked about that time when you would receive the Holy Ghost, it would be a baptism of the Spirit. There's the baptism of water, but then there's the baptism of the Spirit where the Spirit literally encapsulates your life. It comes all over you, and it fills your life completely, immerses you. Jesus talked about it like a new birth, a new experience where, where all of a sudden in your life you have this new lease on life. See, see, what happens is when you commit your life to Christ and you're baptized in what the Bible calls in water in Jesus' name, there is a, a miraculous thing that takes place over your life. It's like God takes the whole contents of, of your life and wipes it clean. All the good and all the bad, he just kind of he, he puts a new slate on it. So it's no longer the record that was there before, but it's all of a sudden a brand new clean slate. 
And then he puts his spirit inside of you when you receive the Holy Ghost. And you begin to live with a new desire to do the things of God. And so Jesus called it like a new birth, where you're like born again, where you have this new way of thinking, new way of talking, new way of acting, a new desire to do what pleases God. He talks about it like a seal. In the old days, in order to mark your property, you would, you would take a family signet or insignia, and you would brand the things that belong to you with heat or with wax. You know, if you, if you wrote a letter, you'd drip a little wax on it, put your family seal on it, and it would say, this belongs to so-and-so. This, this, is, this has their authority. So God says, when I put my spirit on you, uh, the Bible says uh, in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That there's, there's, like God puts his mark on you and says, this person literally belongs to me. They're my creation as a human being, but now they are my child. Now they're my son. The Bible talks about it as well as a guarantee, a promise when you receive the Holy Spirit in your life, when you, when you allow God to fill your life with His presence, it's His guarantee that you will one day live with Him in eternity. And one of the best ways that probably has a lot of meaning to today, it's, it's through the Holy Ghost. When you receive that gift of the Holy Ghost, it's like God saying, I've adopted you. You're my child. There's something special about a father looking at his child and saying, you are my child, and I'm proud of you. You're my beloved child. I love you, and I'm glad to be your father. And the Bible teaches us that when we receive the Holy Ghost, it's like God stepping into our day-to-day existence and saying, you are now my child. You're my property. And any daddy in the room who knows that you touch my kids, you touch me. So don't touch my kids. And I'll fight for my kids. Don't don't come near my children unless you're there to bless them. And by the way, when you bless my kids, you bless me. But if you curse my kids, I'm about to throw down my pastor title, my reverend. I'll leave it behind in the car, and then you're going to have some words. I'm not a fighter. But I'll learn real quick because those are my kids. Those, that's mine. Those are, they belong to me. They have my visage. They have my expressions. They have my attitude problems, right? They're mine. They're, those are my kids. And that's what God, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you have this, this, this eternal God who controls the winds and the waves and the seas and the lands and everything in it. And and he looks down at you, this one little speck on the ball of earth, and says, you belong to me. But it's more than that. The Bible talks about it like it's the power that fills you, that gives you the ability to do the things that please God. I haven't done everything perfect since I've received the Holy Ghost. But I can tell you there's been times where words were coming up, rising up. They got to about here. And these words probably weren't the nicest or the most respectful or kind words, but they got to right about here, and the Holy Ghost just said, eh, hold on, let's switch that around. 
And literally, it's like God stepped into my, my mind, my heart, and said, wait, instead of saying that, say this. It was like split second, and I said the thing that I felt God gave me to say, and it turned out so much better than the words I was about to say. The situation de-escalated. It's not every time. I, I'm, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I ignore that little voice, and I go, nah, I'm going to just say what's on my eh. And I have to repent after that and ask for forgiveness. But usually whenever I allow the Lord to, to change my way of acting, to change my speech in the moment, when I let the Holy Ghost work in me, it's better. God gives me a new lease on life. You can receive this gift of the Spirit. It's not hard. The Bible says that all you need to do to receive the Holy Ghost is to first repent. The word repent there means to turn around. So you may be walking in one direction and you hear this message this morning. You go, I'm going to turn around and consider this. I've never really considered this before. I'm going to turn around and, and walk towards God and say, God, if this is for you, if this is from you and it's for me, then, then I'm interested. That's repenting. Repenting is also saying, I recognize the way I'm going is a bit stubborn, hard-hearted, hard-headed, and against what God wants me to do, so I'm going to turn around and go the way God wants me to, and maybe even say sorry for the times that I've messed it up royally. And, and when you do that, just know you're not alone. You're not unique. You're like every other Christian that has ever gone before you that is ready to stand up and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I've messed up. I've made a mistake. I, I went against your ways, against, went against your word. That's what repentance means. The Bible says that once you repent, you can then be baptized. And what baptism does is it washes your heart clean like water washes dirt off the body. So baptism washes the stain of sin off of your life. And the Bible says that when you do that, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you receive that gift, like the apostles in the Acts chapter 2, and like anybody who's ever received the Holy Ghost ever since, you'll speak in a language you've never spoken before. It's called speaking in other tongues. And it might sound strange. It might sound weird to you. This might be the first time you're ever hearing this kind of thing. You're going, this is kind of an odd, odd thing. And it is. It really is. But, but it is a gift from God, and there is great benefits to it. For those of you that have received the Holy Spirit already in your life, I want to challenge you with what Paul gave to Timothy, and I'm, I'm closing with this. It's surprising if you come to the organ as we close this morning. Paul said to Timothy, I want you to stir up the gift that's in you. So for those of you that have received the Spirit already, you've already had that experience of speaking in other tongues, kind of like the fire I talked about this morning at the beginning of my message, that fire had fuel and heat, but no oxygen. And what need, was really needed for that fire to take place and burn efficiently was for the stirring up of those sticks in the proper way so that oxygen could flow in. And in our lives, when we receive the Holy Spirit, like I said at the at part of my message, it, you're not perfect after you receive the Holy Ghost. I'm a pastor. I'm a reverend, I study the Bible, I read it often, and, but I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. I, I've got to stir up that gift that God gave me. I've got to reactivate the thing that God put inside of me. I've got to, I've got to stir up the sticks. I've got to add more fuel to the fire. I've got to set up the fire in a way that oxygen will flow freely 
through it. And, and it's kind of an illustration for your life. If you're going to live for God successfully and allow his spirit to really be burning inside of you, you've got to have the right fuel. What's the right fuel? Well, it's you. It's, it's a willingness of your heart to say, God, I need you alive in me to make me a better person. I need you alive in me to, to make me what you want me to be. And then I, I need the oxygen. God, I need your spirit. I need prayer. I need worship. You know, we, we sang three songs here this morning. And the reason we do that, we do that every service, is because it's an opportunity for the oxygen of the spirit of God to flow in the room. We, we spend time worshiping and praying. It's like breathing oxygen on the fire. We spend time singing to God, worshiping Him, talking about Him. We do that to encourage the moving of the Spirit of God. It's like oxygen to the fire. And then I need heat. I need action. I need, I need to do something towards God. I've got to be faithful to God in my, my prayer life, in my 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 community with the believers, with the body of Christ. If you have a church you go to, be faithful to that community. Be faithful as often as you can because it stirs you up. It it adds heat to your life. It it adds warmth to your life when you when you spend time in the presence of God with the people of God. It's like stirring up the fire. So stir up the gift this morning. Receive the Holy Ghost. If you've never received it, pray. Come talk to me after service. You know, talk to Bob and Shoshana. Get introduced. We'll we'll chat some more. If this has been interesting to you, you've heard something maybe you've never heard this morning before. I'd love to sit down and talk with you more about it because God wants every single one of you to have this gift, and there'll be no greater experience in your life than the day when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's going to help you be a better parent. It's going to help you be a better grandparent, uncle, aunt brother, sister, child, son or daughter. It'll help you be a better person. It'll draw you closer to God. It'll put God inside of you and your life will never be the same. I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll close in prayer this morning in a final prayer of blessing over the family, over everybody here today, if you're able. And why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes and pray and talk to God. You can talk to him yourself while you're standing there. And ask him to touch your life. Ask him to to show you what he's been trying to say to you this morning. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the power of your spirit. I thank you for this family that's gathered around Bob and Shoshana and Ezekiel. And I thank you, Lord, for the church that's here to continue to support them in their, their journey to raise Ezekiel, to fear you and to do what pleases you. God, I pray your blessing on them, that you would go before them on each side of them, that you would cover them with your presence, with your spirit. Bless them and help them to hear and receive what you have to say to them today. Use them for your glory, God.